over the years, new tools and things like genetics, equipment, and chemistry have helped to reduce farmers' production risks. But relatively few innovations have focused on trying to help manage price risk. The core things that are really at a farmer's disposal to manage their risk comes down to their crop insurance choices, their cash sale strategy, meaning what are they going to do with their physical bushels, and then ultimately hedging strategy as far as can I utilize futures and options in this equation as well to help offer me some additional flexibility. Dakota Hoban and his team at Farmers Risk are developing software tools to take more of an informed, integrated, and data-driven approach to crop marketing plans. You hear some of these grain marketing consultants and folks who just say the best risk managers are the farmer's significant other because they don't have any emotional tie to the crop. Well, how we think about that at farmer's risk is how can we introduce those types of support systems to farmers over time? By taking some of the emotion out of marketing, Dakota believes they can help farmers improve their decisions and better manage their risk year after year. If we just took my family's operation, we took us from a bottom half marketer to a top half marketer, and then you compounded that over 20 years of farming, how vastly different does our operation look today than from what that possibility could have been had we just compounded a little bit of difference over time. Farmers Risk co-founder and CEO Dakota Hoban on today's Future of Agriculture podcast. Well, hello, fellow ag nerds. Thanks so much for joining me for another episode of the Future of Agriculture. My name is Tim Hamrich, and every week you and I get to sit down with the founders, farmers, innovators, and investors, the people shaping the future of the ag industry. Today's episode is made possible thanks to the support of our quarterly presenting sponsor, which is Sound Agriculture. Many of you listening will be familiar with Sound Ag from when we featured CEO Adam Lytle on the show back in January. And spoiler... He'll be back along with co-founder Travis Bayer next week. So it's a great time now to talk about their source product because just about anywhere you look, fertilizer prices are higher and in some cases availability itself has been a real problem. So finding a better source of crop nutrients going forward is on top of a lot of people's minds out there. Well, believe it or not, that nutrient source might just be your soil. Source from Sound Agriculture unlocks more of the nutrients already in your fields so you can apply less fertilizer while getting the yield you're counting on. Source is a foliar applied biochemistry that activates soil microbes to unlock more nitrogen and phosphorus. It works with the soil you've already got and equipment you already use to sort of wake up the soil. So it's kind of like caffeine for microbes, if you will. Visit sound.ag to learn more. That's sound.ag. Thank you so much to Sound Agriculture for supporting the Future of Agriculture podcast. All right, back to today's featured conversation with Dakota Hoban of Farmers Risk. This is an interesting look today of a new startup that's taking on a really complicated topic, and that is grain marketing. Uh, as a lot of you out there know, buying and selling grain is where I started my career, the first eight years of my career. And so I'm always really curious whenever I see new companies sort of enter the space or looking at things from a new perspective, um, but frankly, also a little skeptical of it as well. I, I know just how massive uh, the risks are associated with marketing. And I also know how many variables are at play in these decisions, not least of which 
being the farmer's emotional state or frame of mind. But that said, I'll admit I am impressed by Dakota and the approach they seem to be taking their farmer's risk. Uh, I think he makes some excellent points here on this interview, so I encourage you to listen all the way through to the end. Dakota knew from a young age that the only industry he was truly passionate about was agriculture. I can relate to that. Uh, Growing up on a grain and livestock farm in southeast Iowa before heading to Iowa State to study agricultural business and international agriculture, he watched his family, neighbors, and other farmers ride the marketing roller coaster, but didn't know he would become an integral part of the solution to this problem. Before Farmer's Risk, Dakota and co-founder Eric Barnard were co-workers at Granular. In fact, I'm going to drop you into this conversation here where Dakota is recalling his time there at Granular and what ultimately convinced them it was the right time to launch Farmer's Risk. Really, when the granular opportunity arose, it was an opportunity to go and just kind of learn and uh, be a part of a, well, in my opinion, it was a really special company, a really special team um, that was put together around kind of solving this problem around helping farmers know and understand their costs and ultimately make better decisions. And so, yeah, that was a really valuable experience. But I would say the one consistent thing that kind of consistently kept coming back up over and over again with farmers, and this was, I would say, especially true late in the granular days is farmers would come to us and they'd tell us, they'd be like, hey, Dakota, you guys are solving my problems, helping me understand my cost of production. And that's great, helping me manage my business and run my business more efficiently. But when are you gonna actually help me sell this product, right? And when are you gonna help me sell my grain, do it for more, have a more, more better disciplined risk management strategy on the selling side? And that was something that we just weren't close to touching really at that point in time and wasn't a part of the vision, especially post acquisition. So acquisition of granular, I should say. So tell us more about uh, that problem. So like, you know, obviously every farmer knows how to sell their commodities. Is it more of a question of when to sell or, or, you know, as you're trying to understand that problem to see if maybe software could help solve it. I imagine you had to kind of get down the, the details of like, how does that problem manifest itself for a farmer? Well, you're exactly right. And you got to start peeling back the layers, right? I mean, a lot of it can be when to sell, but even what sort of mechanisms do I use to sell, right? The, the mechanisms that are available to farmers are pretty wide today, as opposed to where they used to be even 10 years ago or 20 years ago. And so, yeah, when we started just kind of breaking down the problem, as far as farmers, as we think about this as kind of a risk management problem, and then broadly, we put a few things under that risk management bucket, right? The core things that are really at a farmer's disposal in order to manage their risk comes down to their crop insurance choices. It comes down to their cash sale strategy, meaning what are they going to do with their physical bushels? And then ultimately a hedging strategy as far as can I utilize futures and options in this equation as well to help me, you know, offer me some additional flexibility in how I manage my risk. But understanding all of those is kind of a lot. Again, you can click down another two clicks on each of those. But fundamentally what we saw a lot of farmers doing is farmers would sit down with their crop insurance agent and they would make just a crop insurance decision. Or they'd call up their grain merchandiser and they'd make just a cash sale physical bushel decision, right? And so many of these things depend on each other, right? In this kind of risk management picture that we wanted to help farmers kind of have a fuller, better understanding of what that risk management picture looked like on their farms. And so take us back to granular. You know, the insight was you literally have farmers asking you about this, like, hey, help me with the other side of the equation. I want to not only lower my expenses, but raise my revenues. What made you think like, 
there could be a software solution that could help because that's a complicated problem and you know pretty individualized from farmer to farmer. You're 100% right. But when you would start asking these farmers, okay, tell me about how you're doing this today, you start to peel back some of the layers of pain that they're doing and you just start to say, oh, software could solve that. Software could solve that. I don't say that in such a way that software is going to solve every problem or is the end all be all. But there are simple things. I remember talking to a farmer and I remember just understanding, hey, like, how do you go about just kind of like understanding and tracking the markets? And he says, well, every day I track the local basis price, right? And I write that down. I put it in a spreadsheet every day, you know, 365 days a year, whatever there's a posted basis. I I track that. And I've done that for like three or four years now, right? But that's good information for me. I was just like, well, software could do that really easily and automatically for you and save you a bunch of time. And there'd be other guys, right, who would say, hey, you know, I, I download my brokerage statements. The guys who did it, you know, once a week, some guys did it once a day. And they're trying to put those into their Excel spreadsheets to essentially mark their portfolios to market, right? Which is a really manual process and really hard to do. But you just start to pull these things away and just like, software can also do that. And so how can we give farmers back more time to do more analyzing and working on the business as opposed to just moving data around and trying to, you know, build these capabilities around the data analytics that they want to make choices on for the future when software solution could do that for them. So those are some of the first problems that we started with. Well, you mentioned kind of the three legs of the stool, you know, being insurance and then cash grain decisions and then futures and options. When a farmer's trying to decide, like, should I forward contract or should I sell what's in storage or should I sell across the scale? You know, at the end of the day, the answer is who who knows, right? Nobody, nobody knows where the price is going to go. So what data points do you rely on? Is it just historical prices and sales and, and sort of like the simulation of previous decisions? Uh, or, you know, what kind of data can you use to actually help them make uh, decisions that essentially you can't tell them for sure what's the right thing to do? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question because you start to pull back the nuance of of that particular question and you start to get to different answers for different farmers, right? And so the right answer can be a different right answer depending on the farming operation. And I think that's one of the biggest things that we find in this business, right, is there are constraints around how a farmer sells and markets their grain. And those constraints are different on every farm. It could be obviously cash flow needs. It could be logistics and transportation as far as I don't want to haul grain in in January when it's freezing cold in in, in the Midwest, right? You know, it it can be just simple things like that or just quality of life things. And so the right answer is different for every farmer depending on what those constraints are, right? I mean, another way to put it really is we see a lot of farmers right now who are renting more ground, right, than they are owning as far as, you know, farm consolidation, all these things, well, these farms aren't necessarily getting bigger because they're buying more land in most cases or getting bigger because they're renting more land. Well, as soon as you start renting more land, you're introducing more risk into your overall operation, right? That you have to pay a rent check to somebody at some point in time. And so now there is a bigger need for more advanced risk management solutions because you can't just rely on, hey, I'm going to harvest everything out of the field. I'm going to throw it in a bin. I'm going to just sell it when I need it. Um, now you got to be a little bit more aggressive because you have, you know, land rent that could be due once a year, twice a year, whenever that may be. Uh, you've got more inputs to buy. And so all of, all of these are opportunities to really be reevaluating what your risk management strategy is and to be covering basically those costs as you lock those in over time. And so, like I said, depending on the farm, depending how those things happen, the answer can be two different things, but still be the right answer for the farm, depending on that particular farm and the constraints that that farm really deals with. So. 
But what would be an example of something that happens to a farmer that's going to turn the light bulb on to say, I need that? These things, I can't just have three conversations, you know, one on insurance, one on sale of cash bushels, and one on if I want to use uh, futures and options. The granular is a perfect example, right? The, the classic granular line is like, you've got all of these handwritten records, years that are all dusty on the shelf, and there's probably a bunch of value in there that never got captured because you actually don't have that in a sort of dashboard that you can sort of analyze. What's that for this? What's that for risk management? Yeah, well, I mean, in a, in a lot of ways, you can back test strategies, right? So you can look back and you can understand, hey, what did the commodity cycles look like? What were the events happening around those times? And you can checkpoint, hey, when did I sell? When did I not sell? When did I store? All of those different types of things. And you can really kind of test out your strategies. And so I, I think that becomes a really powerful scorecard as far as helping farmers then understand over time, right? which are the best strategies that win over time. I'll maybe make the comparison here a little bit to, you know, just the common thought of just using mutual funds in your personal 401ks. We've come to this place in society from a financial knowledge perspective that largely most people, the average person is not going to do better, you know, stock picking and having a more actively managed 401k as they are to just putting their money into a 401k. Okay. It took us a number of years to get there and kind of see that data as far as the performance over time. But I would say right now where we're at with a lot of farmers is a lot of farmers are doing a lot of individual stock picking related to their risk management strategy. And so we need to help kind of formulate the data and put that in place in such a way so they can see, right, there are better strategies out there that don't necessarily just fall back to you just kind of doing this individual stock picking on a whim and selling your grain or managing your risk for your operation. So when we start thinking about it in kind of those terms, I think a lot of farms kind of have like their eyes get big and they're like, oh yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense to me now. Right. And I know you, you just started it a little over a year ago, right? In 2021. Mm -hmm. So still early days. For sure. For sure. Still early days. And I think like fundamentally for us, the first thing that we had to do was we just had to consolidate the risk picture for the farmer. We, we didn't look around at other software tools and see like, hey, there's really nobody else who's doing a good job of kind of putting this picture together for the farmer. And so we really had to start from just a basic level of before we want to do a lot of the advanced data pieces um, and deliver those insights to farmers, we just had to put the risk picture in one place for the farmer. And so it, it sounds relatively simple, but that was for us really the place that we had to start as we looked around the landscape and kind of looked and evaluated the tools that were out there for farmers. Yeah. And to borrow your analogy a little bit, you know, at this point in your development, you're kind of just creating better tools for what amounts to individual stock pickers. But is the vision here, you know, sort of like the, the wealth front or the, you know, vanguard of um, commodity price risk management, you know, down the road? I, I think that's well put. Yeah. And so ultimately with, with more data on the platform, right, there are a number of different things that we can do that we can deliver better performance to farmers, we believe over time. And so that is a little bit more global vision. We're not, I would say, realizing that today, but that's the path that we're marching towards. And in order to even get to that place, we realized that we had to build out the actual execution tools along the way, right, to execute every piece of the risk management strategy for farmers. And so that was really critical to getting to that vision. And so we're in the middle of that process right now, for sure. Right, right. Yeah. And so, I mean, farmers and their teams are using your tool for the risk management part of it. But those decisions, as you just described, are not made independently of logistical needs or cash flow needs. And so how do you kind of account for that? Do you, are you developing integrations to where, you know, the risk can be overlaid with needs like that? Or kind of how, how can you do that? I'm wondering. 
Yeah, I mean, internally, we talk about helping farmers kind of build out, you know, their great marketing plans with, with their advisors. And so those are the types of constraints that, you know, have to be kind of factored in to the overall equation when they're developing those. And so that definitely becomes a really important piece of it overall. And we think about it in such a way as, hey, what tools can we deliver around those farmers and those advisors to help kind of frame these plans together and then build in the checkpoints and, you know, the accountability for those farmers to actually execute on those plans. Because every farmer can just say, hey, you know, I mean, the goal is to maximize price, maximize price. But is that really possible within the constraints of, well, one, just guessing the market, but two, which, which nobody can do. And so as good as advisors are, I mean, no advisor knows where the market's going all the time for sure. And so more so those advisors are help you to make solid, sound decisions and have some of the built-in accountability. And so we think about some of our tools and how we can kind of enable those collaborations with the farmer and the, the advisor and help them kind of build the framework and so that they can do that inside of our tools. So, Right. Yeah, I can remember when I, when I was you know buying grain from farmers, you'd have some that say, I sell a third across the scale. I, I sell a third in January and I sell a third in whatever the, you know, whatever the other one is, maybe it's June. They feel that that's how they've stayed in business all the, all the time. And then you got others that are, you know, constantly thinking that's going higher and just going to hold as long as they possibly can and only sell. And both have sort of, you know, inherent risks in them. I guess one of my questions is, how do you get farmers who generally are smart people, but uh, still people prone to human error? How do you get them to accurately perceive the risks and perceive the risk, even though the market's going up? If you haven't sold anything, you're in a riskier situation than somebody who who has. How do you help them with that part of things? Yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of that comes back to it, just trying to take the emotion out of it, which isn't sexy under any stretch of the imagination. It is a lot harder to do in practice, um, right, than actually just saying, well, we just got to take the emotion out of this. But I think this gets into some really interesting uh, psychology things. You know, you hear some of these great marketing consultants and folks who just say, you know, the best risk managers are the farmer's significant other, whoever that may be, who's not growing that crop because they don't have any emotional tie to the crop and they can make very much, you know, calculated kind of what they feel like are black and white decisions. And so while that's not necessarily feasible on a lot of farms or necessarily possible, I think well, how we think about that at Farmer's Risk is how can we introduce those types of support systems to farmers over time? And so it does take a little bit of the relinquishing control from farmers, but I think that's relatively easy to do if you can just prove out the benefit, right? I mean, it's not that much different from farmers relinquishing control of their steering wheels, right? Because auto steer proved to be more valuable. So in a similar sense, I think there is a little bit of, we, we need to get farmers to relinquish a little bit of control over that grain marking and risk management steering wheel, but we got to do the, do the work and put the data in front of them to prove out kind of what that looks like and why this can be a better performer for them over time. And so, you know, I consistently think, think back to just like my, my family's operation and, uh, not to throw anybody under the bus, but I doubt my family's operation is a top half marketer, right? Forget top third or top 20%. Just I doubt we're even a top half marketer as you compare farms. And I think Scott Irwin has done some interesting studies on like, hey, just how good of marketers actually are farmers. More of the story, not excellent, I think was largely the, the summary of some of those studies. But point being, I, even on my family's operation, if we just took my family's operation and we took us from a bottom half marketer to a top half marketer, and then you compounded that over 20 years of farming, how vastly different does our operation look today than it does 
from what that possibility could have been had we just compounded a little bit of difference over time. And I think, you know, our focus at Farmers Risk is how can we just get farmers? We don't have to make them the best marketers, but how do we take them from bottom third to average or from average to top half? And then over time, compound those benefits and, uh, you know, have the accountability and the support structures in place to do that. And I think if you think about just kind of revitalizing some of these rural areas and farmers, the, the critical role that farmers play in these rural areas, right? That becomes a really, really, really big role revitalization if you can get farmers to be more successful over time and compound that. And so that's kind of the vision for what we really drive towards and what the reason that we do what we do at Farmers Risk. Well, okay. This this brings me to probably my favorite question to ask ag tech companies. Given the dynamic nature of a farm and of a commodity markets, you've got both of them to deal with. So you've, you've got a especially dynamic area. If successful, how does a farmer know it was because of farmer's risk as opposed to just the markets went their way or, you know, they, they made the brilliant call? Because uh, in my experience, what most farmers measure themselves against when it comes to grain marketing is the very top of the market, which you're not saying they're going to hit. You're saying that they're going to manage the risk better. So at the end of the day, if they're successful, how do they know it's because they used your tool versus just like, that's the way the markets went that year? Yeah. I I'd probably like to flip it a little bit and um, would say, how do we get in a position with a farmer where they can't envision their life without us? The easiest example to probably draw back to is like the iPhone in my pocket. I don't know what the ROI of the iPhone in my pocket is, nor do I even really know how to begin how to start calculating that. And I don't say this as a cop-out answer, but here's what I do know is I really can't envision my life without my iPhone, both as a tool for work or for social or for whatever purposes. And so I think that it doesn't have to put a hard number on it, but if we can build data sets and tools and accountability structures and all these different things for farmers where they can't envision their life without us, we feel like we're in a really, really good spot. And ultimately, that's, I think, like the measuring stick for us. Okay. No, that's fair enough. And it, it reminds me of a, uh, a Gary Vee-ism, a Gary Vaynerchuk saying of like, you know, the ROI of a basketball to me is not very much, but the ROI of a basketball to LeBron James is pretty significant. And so I think there's a similar thing here, which is if you have a very data-driven, business-minded farmer ambitious to grow and manage their risk along the way, the ROI of farmer's risk is, is pretty great. What I found in, in my time buying corn from farmers is like a lot of farmers kind of like, you know, own a fair chunk of land, can farm, and they're not necessarily looking for that next edge, which is going to help them a little bit better. Is that a challenge for you all uh, going forward that uh, maybe there's a small sub-segment of farmers that's growing, I would say, that is going to hop all over this and others will say, I don't need another gadget? For sure, 100%. And, um, you know, we don't have to be a tool for everybody. I think that if we are trying to build a tool for everybody and every farmer and try to please everybody, uh, we'll end up not pleasing anybody. And so I think I would say this segment that we are really, really dialed into and the folks that we really want to solve the pain points and understand are what I would say is a two to 5,000 acre grower. We like those size of growers for a number of reasons. One, there's often multiple generations on that farm. Okay. So there's an older generation, there's a younger generation. One of those generations, or maybe both those generations, often have a college degree, right? And so these are what I call DIY farmers, right? They took an agronomy class, they took a grain marketing class, they took a business class, and so they got a little bit of information about a lot of things. And these are the types of folks who want to use software to help run their business, right? They want to be more tech-enabled, right? That younger generation is also pushing on the older generation to be more aggressive. There's now a younger generation here. And so while the older generation is saying, hey, risk off, and how do I just 
you know, get rid of debt and whatever, that younger generation is saying risk on, right? How do we keep this thing growing, right? And so there's that tension there. But in such a way, right, those two to 5,000 acre growers are also of a significant size where they are, they are a reasonably sized small business, at which point, right, I would say that there is enough risk to be managed that needs to be managed in, in a more sophisticated way outside of, I'm just going to throw this in the bin and just hope for the best or sell it right out of the field, right? And so we really think about those operations as, as our anchoring point for when we're building our software tools. And uh, we really want to solve those problems first. Now, can we solve problems for smaller farmers and bigger farmers? For sure. But when we really think about kind of who we have to focus on and narrow in on, that's the type of farm that we, that we like to think about. And that we've really seen, I would say, the most success early on as well. And so we see a lot of younger folks, as you'd imagine, you know, coming back into the operation, trying to take in some more of the decision making. They maybe don't have all the decision making today, but they're starting to get part of it on, you know, a chunk of acres. And that chunk of acres is growing over time. And so those are the types of farmers who are really, I would say, picking our tools up the fastest and finding the most value. That makes sense. Uh, are you guys corn and beans only now or does, are you kind of commodity agnostic? Good question. And so um, as far as the, the tools, because farmers can actually trade futures and options through our platform, as far as the, the products that we support there, it's corn, soybeans, and wheat that we are supporting right away. We do support other crops as far as just tracking um, risk and sales and some things like that from that perspective. Uh, but the plan is, yeah, we, we certainly want to expand to additional crops, right? Um, cotton, canola, rice, whatever it may be um, that are other commonly traded crops that farmers have a need to manage the risk and hedge, right? We certainly want to grow into those products as well. Mm -hmm. uh, this is going back a little bit to what we were talking about earlier, uh, which is just like the unique nature of, of farming is that a lot of these decisions when it comes to selling the crop may be highly dependent on decisions related to to the management, to the expenses side of things to say like, hey, I know $4 is my break even. If I can sell some at over $4 right now, take some risk off the table and maybe lock in a, a little bit of a profit, then I'm going to do that. So um, I think we maybe touched on it, but I wanted to just ask you, are you looking at integrations with some of those like a, I don't know, like a harvest profit or like a, you know, a, a type of software that they're going to be looking at sort of profit per acre with? Um, that's, I would say, squarely in how we view the world. I think one of my takeaways from the granular world was it was a powerful tool, but it was a lot of work. And that was always the biggest knock on the software world that we came from. And so my co-founder and I really, I would say, prioritize integrations first, wherever and however possible. And so we've already done some integrations with the largest clearinghouses and brokerage firms as far as pulling in brokerage statement data. Uh, that was relatively easy to do. Cash sales is another piece that we'll look to work with uh, folks who have been large aggregators of that data, because these are the data entry points that farmers don't want to put any data in, right? Nobody wants to really put data in, especially farmers. And so that's really important to us that we take most or all of that burden off of farmers and their advisors, really. I mean, a lot of advisors are the ones who really that burden falls to um, in order to advise their farmers, right? They have to keep this data accurate because the farmer doesn't often do that. But cost production is certainly a big part of that. So in integrating with potentially, you know, other farm management software systems like Harvest Profits or the granulars or the conservices of the world, right? Those are all valuable products that do a completely separate thing than what we do. And so we certainly look forward to the opportunity to work with some more of those folks and in integrating that data in so that we can have more accurate real-time cost of production data as well. Right, right. And so in, in that example of like um, kind of the historical sales data, so that would be like, hey, I've sold most of my grain in the past to uh, ADM at, uh, you know, Beardstown, whatever the case may be. And 
if you can get them onboarded as partners with the farmer's permission, then they can share the historical sales data from that farmer. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, correct. I mean, I mean, a lot of these places, most of these places now have that level of data online somewhere, right? And so those online portals or whatever, right, where these farmers are going into. And basically when we're talking to farmers and they're always asking us, I basically tell them, hey, is there anywhere that you log in to see your cash contracts? There is, then there's likely a way for us to work with them. We just have to figure those details out. And so, but yeah, that's exactly how, how we think about it is we want to be able to partner with those farmers, have those farmers say, yep, I want to opt into pushing my data here so I can analyze it in this way and within farmer's risk and make it actual push button style integrations. Awesome. Well, um, I know nothing about crop insurance. I mean, and I, I really know zero about it. Can you help me understand what's important about including crop insurance, integrating crop insurance with cash sales decisions and hedging strategies? Like how does that kind of flywheel work both ways? Because I don't really understand why, why that matters. Yeah. I mean, crop insurance is really the cheapest form of protection often that, that farmers are going to get. And I think crop insurance, uh, I saw written this way on Twitter here just recently. It's a great form of production risk, but not a great form of price risk. And so the hedging instruments and the financial derivatives and in the form of futures and options are a lot better price risk hedgers, whereas crop insurance is really meant to be a protection against your actual production. And so I think that, you know, we, we still see a lot of farmers who buy crop insurance and they're like, that's my risk management strategy. I bought crop insurance. I'm done. I can kind of shut off that part of my brain and, you know, I can just sell this kind of how willy-nilly however I want to. And I think that one of the critical things to understand about crop insurance is it's a great tool. It is meant to be a safety net, right? If you translate it to the futures and options world, it's kind of like having a put with a moving strike price. And it's going to be the cheapest put that you can probably buy. But that's what it is, right? And so as you basically over time get to a point and understand that where your crop insurance maybe isn't going to be needed, isn't going to pay, right? That changes kind of how you view your risk management strategy as far as what actual risk is there, where it needs further managing. Or if you're looking at a crop in the middle of the year where you don't have a crop, Again, it's going to change kind of how all those other pieces play together. And so it's certainly a critical piece of the puzzle. The biggest thing I say about crop insurance is it's a really nice tool to be as a safety net, as a production hedger, and it's also meant to be a tool to actually give you the confidence to take action. So it's not one of those things you just buy, put on the shelf and be like, I'm done. It's meant to give you confidence to take action. And so we're trying to help farmers kind of see that, understand that, but then also actually take those actions, right? Be a little bit more thoughtful about how they manage their risk from there out. So, Right. Yeah. So it's going to protect you from the catastrophic downside, but it's not really going to help you, you know, maximize revenue. Do you guys offer a comprehensive sort of risk assessment? Like, hey, here's Mr. or Miss Farmer. Here's how risky your profile is benchmarked against, you know, everyone else's situation? Because that would be really helpful, I would think. Yeah, that, I think that's a great point. Um, no, we don't offer anything quite like that today. We do have tools, I think, where we can help farmers kind of understand, hey, where their risk lies today. And so they can kind of take inventory of, hey, where's the biggest risk out of my operation uh, based on kind of what I have in play today. But I do think there is a number of, well, one, I always say a farmer's data is always better used to improve their own operation decision-making and so that is always the primary use. And so at which point you get to the point where you're using your own data and maximizing that to improve your operation, I do think there is value beyond that, potentially aggregate farmers together, their data sources, and then benchmark them against other farmers, right? And so, but uh, for most farmers, and I would say even two thirds of farmers, right? The most benefit that they will see is really just starting to actually turn their own data into actual insights for themselves. 
before you even get to that point. But I do stay up at night, probably just keeping myself awake, thinking about all the possibilities, you know, if you can kind of help farmers, you know, benchmark themselves and really push themselves and, uh, you know, executing on their strategies over time and, you know, improving their performance. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a benchmark would be cool. A stress test would also be cool too. Like, Hey, if between now and October 1st, 2023, corn went to, you know, 350, here's where you're at just to kind of stress test, uh, and see how that changes with decisions. Anyway, I'm not giving you ideas that you don't already have, but yeah, we, we, we have some of those tools already built in. And so just kind of basically a sensitivity analysis kind of, so. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Well, I, um, one thing I wanted to ask you and I didn't leave enough time really to fully cover it is, all right. So we talked about crop insurance just now. We've, we've talked most of the time about cash sales decisions, which I think is mechanically how, how farmers probably think about most of their revenue decisions. Uh, the third one is hedging strategy. And I, I guess the fundamental question I have is like, should farmers really be using futures and options? Because I could see, I could see it as a tool in the toolbox, but a tool, if not used with precision and used well, that could really ruin more profit than it can gain. Um, both those things are true. I would say it's, it's a tool in the toolkit. Is it right for every farmer? It's not right for every farmer. But I will say the best farmers that we see with the most kind of, I would say, comprehensive risk management strategies use all three of these legs of the stool together and they use them well together and they understand that. I also say that if you're actually hedging as a farmer, right, then there is relatively, this is going to sound terrible to compliance people, but there is relative safety. And if, if you're actually doing pure hedging, right, because you are a owner of the physical product. And so if you are purely hedging, then you capture whatever upside that you, you know, lose on the downside potentially, right? And so I think the, pr- the problems arise when farmers get outside of, you know, just hedging and doing more speculative stuff, which it's hard to tell a farmer to, to never, ever, and don't ever do that because there are farmers who just, you know, can't resist themselves. But yeah, it, again, it's a tool in the toolbox. I think the biggest thing around futures and options, what we find when we talk to farmers is there's been a couple big barriers to entry and it's been cost and complexity, right? And so we keep coming back to that is how can we kind of help solve the cost and complexity issues for farmer? How do we kind of take these things who are kind of like these mythical financial derivatives and, you know, that I don't understand anything about and actually make them a little bit more tangible to a farmer and actually how they can benefit their operation. And so we've tried to do that. We're not fully there for sure in our vision yet, but we're starting down the path of, you know, making those more accessible to farmers. Because like I said, I do think they can be valuable tools in a farmer's operation as an additional, more flexible form of insurance on top of the other types of insurance that they're getting to help manage their risk picture. And so, again, we're trying to build simple tools. We're trying to make them more accessible. And I think that, um, you know, we've really seen, I would say, some, some great adoption from farmers and just actually picking those up and building those into their toolkits in their risk management strategies. Hmm. Yeah. And farmers can uh, simply and at a low cost right now, trade futures and options on farmers risk. Does that mean you have to make the margin calls? Is Dakota going to call me when I, uh, when I need to put more money in my account? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of what it means, but yeah, I mean, the biggest thing was we wanted to build a platform to actually for the farmers to aggregate their entire risk portfolio, but then build the tools to execute their risk strategy within the same platform. Right. And so we always joke that we're, we're building trading tools for farmers on main street, not for traders on wall street. Right. And so it looks a lot different, right? Cause a farmer cares about different things than, you know, building trading tools for traders. And so we come at it from that farmer lens and we've built those things in such a way where we think about what the farmers care about. And so margin calls are certainly a part of it. You know, you know, access to, to margin lines of credit, you know, is not very common in the industry. And so that's another problem that we think about as far as how can we help farmers kind of solve this problem? 
around these margin lines of credit so they can have the credit available to manage these positions um, that's overall, you know, helping them because, you know, what could be the worst thing for the farmer is getting into a position, it, you know, going sideways a little bit on them, but then being forced to kind of out of that position when in reality, they, they need a longer time period to hold that position in order to kind of better manage their risk. And so that comes back to just really kind of credit issues. And so we, we see a number of those issues um, in the industry as well, holding back farmers that I would say, or seriously look at as far as what role can we play in helping solve those as well. And so, but at the end of the day, again, we want to come back to simplicity and we want to come back to just building better tools for farmers to help them make better decisions. And, uh, you know, we're starting to do that with, with some of our futures and options trading tools um, within the platform. Cool. Well, that's probably a great place to land the plane unless there's anything else that you wanted to uh, mention that we should be sure to get on the show before I let you go. You know, I, I think there's been a few ways kind of within ag tech, right? We've seen a lot of agronomy softwares. That was a lot of spurred kind of post, post-climate acquisition, right? A lot of precision agronomy softwares. We saw the, the farm management software side really come into play, the harvest profits, the conservances, the granulars, ag DNAs, right? All of those are the world that really kind of tried to solve the cost of production and the expense side of the business. I really do see as, as the next wave being more revenue management. And, uh, you know, we want to be one of the first ones there. And helping solve those problems for farmers. And, uh, you know, being farmers ourselves, both myself and my co-founder, Eric, you know, we always say that ag is the only thing that we're really truly passionate about. And so we're only going to try to solve problems in ag. And so for us, it's a matter of just where do we see the opportunity uh, to work with farmers, help them advance their businesses and grow their operations for generations to come. And uh, those are the problems that we want to lean into. And so I think some of that passion, at least probably for Eric and I, was flamed a little bit probably in the last just last last couple of years, right? And I think I always kind of say that jokingly that we're finding more ways to introduce risk to farmers, not take it away like we should be, you know. Um, you know, obviously genetics have improved and all these different things, but there's no genetics that can prepare you for extreme weather events, right? Necessarily, right? Uh, there's no genetics that can prepare you for a ward in, in Ukraine um, that obviously spikes wheat here, d- does something, right? And so we're just finding more and more reasons it feels like for commodity markets to be more volatile, introduce more risk to the equation. And so really it just brought us back to, we need some fundamental tools that are more data heavy, focused on actually helping farmers make better decisions and then helping them actually make those better decisions. And so for us, I mean, that's what it came back to. And so that's why we kind of do what we want to do and we're just kind of leaning into and solving this particular problem because it's it's one we felt on our own personal farms, and it's one we just looked around here and see this isn't getting better. And so where we see a lot of other areas in egg, things are getting better, but this hasn't been one. Well, thank you so very much to Dakota Hoban for being on the show here today. Go learn more about what they're doing over at FarmersRisk.ag. I definitely get the impression that not only do they have some very useful tools today for grain marketing, uh, they really have a vision for where this can go as they get more and more people on board and, and iterate to, to future products. So I think it's this is one to watch. I really enjoyed that conversation. Thank you very much, Dakota, for being on the show. And thank you so much to our quarterly presenting sponsor, Sound Ag, for making this episode possible. And last but certainly not least, thank you uh, for your time and your attention. I really don't take it lightly. I'll be back next week with another story of ag innovation. Ag innovation.